Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Lonely Mike Gelfand, Tevin Pittman. And Andy Bernard. Oh, what a lonely boy. I love that song. Oh, it's a great song. Well, how about the Paul Anka song, Lonely Boy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love Paul Anka. Yeah, that was a great song. Who was it that couldn't say his name, so he called him Palunka? <laughs> he couldn't say Paul Anka for some reason. Well, normally I'd Palunka. say Sid Hartman, but I don't imagine he had <laughs> m- many interactions with Paul Anka. Paul Anka, well, of course... Yeah, you know this, and, and but many people don't. He actually made his fortune with the Tonight Show theme. He did, absolutely did. He wrote the theme for the Tonight Show. I think he made more money from that, far more money from that than he made from any song that he wrote or sang. Really pretty decent guy, too. I've Was talked he? to him a couple of times. A very, very pleasant guy. Well, that's good to know. It is good to know. Palunka. Yeah, he used to go on the Tonight Show all the time, had a good time with Johnny Carson all the rest of it. So, Mike, we have a guest today that should be here in about mm, 10, 12 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. She's written a book. Um, I don't know the whole title. It's kind of like something like What to Do with Your Hoo-Ha, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of sex talk between a nice Jewish boy and a blonde woman. Oh, boy. i, I got to go take a cold shower. <laughs> he goes, oh, boy, what am I going to do? No, I think it would be a really interesting... She's a very smart woman. Yeah. Uh, and her husband is a good friend of mine. Just very, very, very nice people. But she's um, she's got an edge to her. I will tell you that. She's one mm-hmm. of those women that puts up with zero BS, which I love about her. I think yeah. it's really good. No question about it. So, Michael, what's new in your life? Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to a lot of things right now. Um, it's it's just about we're just about to go from April back to March, so um, I'm getting ready. I'm I'm sort of like you know I'm I'm hunkering down in the house now. This is going to be so, you know like 15 degrees at night again. Oh okay. And when it's 15 degrees at night, it's it's and it's 75 degrees on my thermostat. It's actually 58 degrees on the floor of my house. Yeah. So. But and, which wouldn't really be a problem except for my cat refuses to elevate and she demands that I sit with her on the floor and pet her. Oh, God. Yeah. And so and, and, and it's tough, you know, because she wants to sleep on my foot on the floor and you can't really say no to a cat. I mean, especially. No, that's if, true. I mean, it would be different if I had, you know, if my kids were living with me, you know, then then I could just say, nah, nah forget about it. But the cat kind of yeah. starts to rule the house. <laughs> And uh, so there, there's that. I'm, I, uh, I'm looking forward to um, – I'm actually looking forward uh, – this is an election year. And I hate to say it, but I'm looking forward to the presidential election just to get it over with. I can understand exactly what you think. You know, Mike, it's interesting you bring that up because I started this, the show this morning with um, why do these politicians think it's a good idea to just 
just slash each other to bits. Mm-hmm. What kind of an example is that giving the, the young people, all people in our environment, oh, that loser over there in that other party, those mega people, or, oh, my God, those far lefties. are. De- Don't they know they're destroying this country by causing people to be always pissed off? Well, they're not—they're not trying to make an impression or uh, or be a role model for children or adults, for that matter. They're looking mm-hmm. to be a good role model for lobbyists and yes. for and for the billionaires who who fund their their campaigns. So all about money, Mike, isn't it? Well, you got to have a lot of money to even run for president, you know. And most mm-hmm. most people who run for president and, and then drop out at some point, it's just because they run out of money. It's not because of the polling. Yeah. Yep. Because they'll go as far as the money will take them. I think that was the case with DeSantis. Is he had billionaires who were who were you know feeding him money, and at some point they said, "Wait mm-hmm. a minute, you're not going to get elected." And then he right. had to, then he had to drop out. Otherwise, he'd still be there. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. It's uh, I just and it's uh, we talked about this, Mike. The fact that that I've become pretty much a centrist. I, I like Democrats. I like Republicans, but I do not like far left or far right people. I just well, that's they're just so focused on one thing, and that's themselves. I want to. I'm pissed off because this is about me. Yeah, and it's it's you know we talk a lot about identity politics, and some people yeah. maybe hear the term and don't know what it means. But right, ba- good idea. But yeah. basically, it 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 just means that whatever whatever probably one or two people tell you to do, you're going to do. Uh, now, in case in the case of the Republicans, that's obviously it's very much about about Trump. You have to mm-hmm. march to the to the beat of Trump. And uh, oh, I saw I saw it today. By the way, speaking of identity politics, that um, you know a lot of this stuff comes out during this during the uh, lead, lead up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so does. for some reason, uh, I guess uh, Aaron Rodgers was hanging out in Las Vegas. I don't know why. He has nothing to do there. But but so I saw an interview. I think it was. I just I just glanced at it on my phone, but I think it was in in the Washington Post or some some newspaper like that. And. And Aaron Rodgers was saying that he had an obligation, like, you know, to God, I guess, or somebody. To God, sure. To, to, to expose the, the, uh, the homicidal effect of vaccines. And especially, of course, he's still, he's still telling people, you know, to take, or take what, you know, some kind, some kind of phony, phony herbs or something yeah, instead yep. of getting the COVID vaccine. And, you know... It's time that he just shuts the fuck up. I'm sorry. I, I hate to well, say that. I, I couldn't argue the point with you. Aaron Rodgers might be the most arrogant human being. Oh. I've never met him, but my God, he seems arrogant. Oh, you, you can't say. I know this talking to reporters who've been around him. You can't ask him a question that is not, that, that isn't even, it sort of has to be a, a worshipful question. Yeah, it does. <laughs> if it, if it isn't, he's going to glare at you and pretend he's coming down off the stage to punch you. And, and you know, he, the, the guy can't take anything. He's, he's, he, you, know, you talk about snowflakes. He's the, he's the classic snowflake. If, if you say to him, well, what mm-hmm. went wrong in that third and 12 play? He's, you know, he's just going to glare. And, you know, and I, I experienced that as a reporter. That was like, you know, Billy Martin was the same way, for example. Um, you, you mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, you just, you, Reggie Jackson was the same way. If you, if you said something that, that really wasn't respectful and that didn't start with something about, you know, like, uh, well, you had a great game today, whatever, you know, they, they were going to just pretend like, like they were coming at you with a, with a, 
not not with a gun, but with a switchblade. You know, they were going to just cut yeah. you up. So, and a lot of that comes out, of course, in this run-up to the Super Bowl. And it, yeah, and, that's that's true. Yeah. And what would they do without Travis Kelsey? That whole thing is that seriously? I cannot take that whole thing seriously. It just it doesn't seem like it's real to me at all. That those two are just hanging out. Because from what I understand, the Gen Z people do not watch football at all. That's pretty much true, yeah. And they certainly don't watch it on TV. So they're certainly right. not seeing those cutaways to, to, you know, to the, to the luxury suites so they can get an eight-second look at Taylor Swift. But, but on the other yeah. hand, you know, you've got people like, um, like, uh, well, like Tony Dungy. You know, he was interviewed about about this the 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 whole the whole uh, phenomenon that we're seeing with Kelsey oh, okay. and, and Taylor Swift, and he was saying, he was saying, you know, it's just too bad because people today, when they watch football, they want to be entertained, and he's he's against entertainment. He believes he's football. Against entertainment? Oh yeah, yeah, because football is a religion to him, and oh, he, okay. and the whole idea that. Rather than see eight seconds of Taylor Swift, you'd rather see a guy who's just been concussed and who's convulsing at the 50-yard line. I don't know. I'd rather see Taylor Swift. I understand that. That's a good approach, no question. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing about it is, they talked about it a bit last night on the national news. We have got to do something about the anger in America. Well, then you're going to have to remove all the politicians and billionaires because they're the one that are pissing everybody off, and it's all about money. So, I mean, this, like I said, the extremists, I never had a problem with all that. You know, if you're just, like I said, if you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're a centrist, that's, that's great. Mm. But these extreme positions are always built on hatred of something. Oh, well, yeah, because hate is yeah. so much, it's just so much more powerful than love. It is. And, you know, we used There's to no see question. advertisements that, that were about love, you know, <laughs> even political advertisements. But you don't see that much anymore. You know, it's really funny when you look back, at least what I've read over the last decade or so, that the two presidents that I would consider to be two of the nicer people that have ever been president were, by uh, national opinion, not very good presidents. And those two guys would be... Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter would be the Democrat, and who would be the Republican? George W. Bush. Very nice guy. Mm -hmm. I I thought they both did an okay job. I guess the economy didn't look too well after either one of them left office. But it's un unfortunate nice people as presidents, because I think as people they're both very nice people, mm -hmm. but they just can't be presidents and and be successful because it's all about drive, hatred, and money. It's pretty tough. That's too bad. I, of course, you know, in, in my lifetime, I, uh, I actually was too young to really know anything about him. But looking back, I'd say it's probably significant that the first president that, was, you know, that, that I ever, um, I, I guess the first president that I even knew was president was because mm -hmm. was, I was like, Five at the time was Eisenhower, and yeah, so yeah, I look back sense. to Eisenhower, the first president of my lifetime, and I think, yeah, let's just go back to the beginning. Yeah, he was a pretty good president, wasn't he? He was a good president, and the, and the thing about Eisenhower, of course, was he wasn't really a Democrat or a Republican. No, he was not. He, he you know, he agonized over which party to run with, 
And he wound up mm-hmm. wound up being a Republican because he figured that was probably the easiest way for him to be elected president. Because then all he had to do was beat Adlai Stevenson. Right. <laughs> for the fifth time. Yeah, for the fifth time. So, you know, <laughs> and what do, what do we think when we think of Eisenhower? We think, of course, of a, of a, of a military general. Mm-hmm. It helped that he was a general because of the fact that he didn't believe in toying around with war. He didn't use a, he didn't no. want to use war as a prop because he knew war was a pretty awful thing. So what did he yeah. do instead? He built the interstate. And he did. And yep. you know, and we, we, we just Congress especially, but presidents also, they really aren't just never seem to quite get around to to infrastructure. And that's why the country is, in, in many ways, but but actually in a physical way, is crumbling. It, do you think it is true that he built the interstate system throughout America to move troops more quickly in case there was an attack? Well, that's that's what people said. You know, I yeah, mean, I think did. there were a lot of reasons, but mm-hmm. it was it was just a very popular thing because you know because you had all the soldiers who who had been in in World War II, and um, you know they wanted to zoom around the country to like you know I want to. Go visit my I'm in West Virginia, my pal in West Virginia, and I'm going to drive from California. So the, all of a sudden, people were experiencing this this freedom on the road. The only problem was they were driving American cars, and they broke down every 200 miles. But other than that, other than that, everything's good. <laughs> no question about it. I don't know. I did, do you think? Now we're never going to come together, but do you think it'll ever get less ruthless than it is now? I don't. I mean. It's hard to imagine it gets worse, but yeah, I don't know. Is, absolutely. When you look at what's going on with the border stuff, um, it's just that, you know, that's a clown show. And that's where everybody's being exposed. It's like, oh, yes, this is, you know, I, we, we desperately need to come together. Oh, we're coming together. Oh, no, we're not coming together because we've been told not to come together. Mm-hmm. And that, that, in a, that in a nutshell tells you what's going on. No, it does. You're absolutely right. I tell you. I had an experience, I think, was it 1961 or 62 when JFK stayed at the Lemington Hotel? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was 61 or 62, but I can't remember. I'm guessing it was was. 61, but uh, it's just a guess. That's what I would guess, too. Because I was, you know, I lived in North Minneapolis over there on Plymouth Avenue, and I was happened to be downtown. Mm -hmm. When he, his motorcade pulled up in front of the Lexington, and I just happened to be Mm -hmm. about a half block away. It was 60, actually. It was 60. Oh, 60, okay. Also, exactly. I was only nine, eight or eight or eight years old then. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was at. I'm pretty sure he was at the Lemington because that was owned by um, by Bob Short. Bob Short, yep. who was uh, who was uh, yep. you know he was a big big Democrat. Yeah. yeah there's a newspaper article about it. Oh, is Saturday, really? October first, 1960. Hmm? Oh, so I was it's, almost. I was almost. Got dying. a schedule on there. 4:45 <laughs> arrives at Wald Chamberlain Field. <laughs> leaves airport for Lemington Hotel. 5.45, arrives at hotel. (laughs) There you go. Wow. So there it was at 5.45. You just told me what time of day it was. I was downtown. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about the president being town or whatever. But I remember when they went, and I was about a half a block away because they kind of cordoned everything off. But I remember watching him get out of the car. I was, like I said, about a half a block away, so I was anywhere near him. But it felt surreal that I would be in the same air, breathing the same air as the President of the United States. Well, you think that's surreal? At 9 o'clock, he spoke at a bean feed. (laughs) (laughs) I went to a bean feed? Uh, Well, good for him. (laughs) I'm glad. glad. Yeah, they've kind of of dropped the bean feeds at some point. 
Yeah, yeah I haven't heard the term bean feed before. It's it's a new one. Yeah, bean feed. Um, but I suppose part of that was because he was the first Roman Catholic president and I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. But just to be that close, a half a block away from the president of the United States, felt really odd. Yeah. But then I eventually had lunch with the president of the United States, a different guy. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel odd because of that experience. I'd already been a half a block away from a president that was very popular in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a, an odd feeling to be close to someone that well-known. And then, of course, everybody later on in the 60s, while well, starting just three years later, started gunning our leaders down in the streets just about every week. Yeah. What was that all about? Uh, I think th- I think a lot of it was, was it was sort of it was almost it was almost like a, a practice for the continuous hate we have today. Now today, fortunately, <laughs> exactly. we're not we're not getting we're not for the most part we're not getting uh, people assassinated because people can just threaten to kill them. Yeah, that's exactly. There's so it. many ways to do it, you know. I don't. I, I just don't really understand the, the hatred part of this thing. Is really getting annoying because, my God, everybody. Every time you turn on TV, somebody's talking about they hate this or they hate that or oh my God. And again, I've mentioned this a thousand times, but I'll mention it again. My mother was a hardened Democrat. Mm-hmm. My, her cousin, her favorite guy, was an hardened Republican. They never argued. They made their points. They were different points, mm-hmm. but they didn't hate each other over it. Yeah. Like, relax. Well, and now there's so many role models that suggest that you should just hate people who don't agree with you. And really, the yeah, only thing are, you can yeah. do, the only thing you can do, is just it's just like don't ask and don't tell these days. You know, you, uh, uh, yeah. You just like don't get into that discussion because it's not going anywhere. You know what's so weird about that is um, when I when I got fired at the Q. All these other radio stations reached out to me about this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, luckily I ended up with the Hubbards. Not to say that I wouldn't have been fine other places, but I do remember a couple of them uh, said, oh, God, we couldn't hire him. He's not a Democrat. I mean, in 2023, uh, still being a Democrat or a Republican made that much difference that you couldn't even hire somebody who didn't agree with your political opinion. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that I could never get uh, never get hired by uh, well probably half the stations would just you know no no that guy's not he's not one of us you know well most of the stations are run by Democrats in this state almost all of them are as a matter of fact really oh God yes well even at Hubbard while the Hubbard family might not be Democrats everybody who works for him is yeah Hubbard's definitely not a Democrat no absolutely not but I, most of the I would say ninety percent of the people that work him. Tevin, you've been in that building several times, right? Uh, I've been in there like once a long, <clears throat> long Oh, that's time all? Ago. I think yeah. you've been over there once. Because you're going over with guests uh, from, you know, the yep. House Comedy or whatever. You didn't yep. have to do that? Uh, no, I, we did, It wasn't, but it wasn't very often. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, that seems to me just because they're Republican, they still hire Democrats. What the hell's the difference? But some people just will not do that. They will not cross that political boundary. But the two... I think of the two radio empires, if they're that, you know, and you all always think of the Hubbards because they're the ones who do it right. Yeah, they do. And so they're successful. And then I think of the, you know, the the conglomerates who own, you have to own 12 oh, different stations. Oh, and and they're, 
I don't think they're they're not so much Republicans or Democrats. They're they're just you know they're in it for the money, and they're in it to squeeze yep. every dollar out of the stations. Like and just like hedge funds want to squeeze every dollar out of everyone from radio stations to say trailer parks. Yeah. And uh, and so I don't know that they they have much allegiance to either. They they certainly give their money to Republicans, but I you know I don't know if that makes them conservatives. Yeah, I mean, well, one of them, a friend of mine who works over there, wanted me to go to work at WCCO, right? And I can't remember the guy's name. His, his, I knew his father. His father was a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I can't. I can't remember his name. It's David something, I think, but I don't remember. But I, he literally came out and said, "Oh, I could never hire him. He's not a. He's not a Democrat." See, that, that's weird because I know because WCCO was. They always were right down the middle. They always, yeah. I mean, they, they never talked were. politics, very rarely. Now, I, I have not yep. listened to WCCO radio in so long, I don't know what they talk about. It's very, very far left now. But um, apparently, really? I didn't know. I didn't know that, but that's what I, that's what I was told. Because it, I, what the hell's the guy's name? I can't remember. He inherited the whole thing. His father and I went in the National Radio Hall of Fame on the same night. Mm-hmm. That's where I had met him, David, David something. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. But yeah, then I find out about a month or two after I he, I couldn't work there because I wasn't the right, uh, you know, political color. Uh, they file for bankruptcy. So I'm kind of glad that he didn't want to hire me, to be honest <laughs> with you. So well, that's what they do. You know, they, they, they come in and they squeeze the thing. They squeeze yes. the lemon dry and then they say, well, we got to file for bankruptcy because where'd all the money go? Well, it went to you. That's where yeah, all went the to money you. went. That's exactly right. I mean, that's one of the reasons I didn't get so upset when they wanted to fire me over at the queue. Mm-hmm. That company is the worst company I ever worked for. Yeah. I mean, they were just disgusting. Oh, you worked for them for a short bit, didn't you? No. Oh, you never. You were already gone. I well, no, I I was I, I was one day I think. <laughs> one day. Yeah, one they day were. It was like it was like the, you know the revolving door. They were coming in and I was leaving almost the same day. And now that was just a coincidence because I had planned to leave six months afterwards. But, oh, really? But since I wound up in the hospital that day, I just said, well. You know, that was the day where I called in on the way to the hospital. And uh, Bill, was it Bill, the guy who answered the phones? Yeah. Yeah, and I said, I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to be coming in. Um, and he said, oh, are you, are you coming in tomorrow? And I said, no, no, I'm never coming in. <laughs> never coming in again. I knew, I knew me, on Bill. the way to the ER that I was never going to go back. That's true. So yeah, throttle, throttle Me Bill was his name. Throttle Me Bill, guy. yes, yes. He's a great guy. Yeah, he was a great guy, yeah. So, um but so that's you know I, I yeah I just don't I don't identify now of course I when I have listened to WCCO it's mostly been maybe for uh, some sporting event and uh, you know they've had the twins on and off and and I know one thing Herb Carneal was not a Democrat <laughs> oh really I didn't say I never knew well that. Herb was a Southerner no but Herb didn't have oh. any interest in politics. Oh, so he wasn't really anything. No, he just, no. He, whatever. he was interested in baseball. Uh, he was a very nice man. And, well, uh, Herb was a great guy. I, yeah. I would see Herb on the road. You know, a lot of times I'd have breakfast with him on the road. And uh, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd go into the coffee shop at the hotel or wherever. And I, I, this conversation always started with, well, how you doing, Herb? And he'd say, oh, muck, I didn't get a wink of sleep last night. 
I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, well, it was because he was in a hotel, and usually the uh, Howard Fox gave us the worst rooms in the hotel because so that he could have the luxury suite. Sure. And generally, we were next to the you know, like in Detroit. You know, well, I always tell the story where uh, my room was was almost adjoined to the room where the uh, where they had the, uh, the the tool and die convention. Oh God. Yeah, those guys, you know, nice guys, but. You know, they, they weren't they were on the road, you know, they'd come in from places, you know, uh, exotic places like like, you know, Des Moines or something. And, exotic. Very yeah. exotic. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tool and guy, tool and die guys. This was when, you know, the tool and die guys actually actually made some money, you know, when workers made money. And uh, so so one night I'm I'm walking into my room uh, getting ready to, to leave again to go to the ballpark. And there's all this commotion right next to me, literally a room that was like, you know, eight feet away from mine. And, uh, and I, I go over to see what's going on, and I see they're handing out the, the name tags. And I knew it was a tool and die convention because the hotel, the poncher train was right across the street from the, mm-hmm. uh, from the arena. And they had a big sign in the rear, welcome tool and die convention. I think, oh, man, this isn't good. So there was a woman there. I remember because she weighed about 500 pounds, and she was handing out the tags. And I said, and I said um, gosh, uh, you know, uh, are people going to be coming in here uh, all night? And she said, honey, we're going to party all night. <laughs> <laughs> I knew That'll I was screwed. It worked out for you. Yeah. God, I just was sent to, Channel 5 sends me alerts on news stories that pop up on my watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sad story. Now, this is a different headline than I've ever read uh, because there's a person dead. Um, one person, two dogs dead after fire in St. Anthony Park. Oh, yes. When I did they start listing that. the dogs dying? I don't remember that well, before. I mean, these days a lot of people value their dogs more than anything else. Yes, they do. I, suppose, I wonder if we go, should go check on our guest. Because I haven't heard her knock on the door. I haven't either. Yeah. So, I mean, so you get me all knocking. excited. Well, I know. You'd <laughs> like her, too. I just, I don't know if maybe I should run over there and knock on the door and see what the hell's going on. I, I, I hope she didn't tap on the door and we didn't hear her. I wouldn't know. You'd think she would have called someone. Yeah, or just knocked on the door harder. But in any case, it's been an interesting show anyway because of Mr. Gelfand and the fact that one person and two dogs are dead. But, no. you know. I what is it, with all it, the fires now? So smoking was the cause in this Smoking case. in mm-hmm. bed or something? Smoking with no smoke detectors in the area. Oh, God. Mm-hmm, so yeah, don't do that. So does the what? headlines uh, or the story tell us what kind of dogs they were? Yeah, maybe. I believe it should. If they're they're going to put him in the headline, I yeah, I don't see I don't see the breed in there anywhere. It says heavy smoke and heat is what killed them. Apparently, you know we're we're used to seeing that uh, in Minnesota winters, but this year winter isn't winter. Oh, I I see somebody back there. She's here. Yep, I just saw someone. Yeah, she just walked past. Just go grab her quickly. Go get. Yeah, I didn't even hear her come in. I'm, I'm, you got me wanting to grab her, too, and I never even met her. <laughs> well, you know, when she sits down, you're probably going to think that same thing, and uh, it'll all work out in the end. But Andy's going to get her now. Yeah, she, she just came in, but didn't, didn't tap on the door or anything. So what's how, the, look how polite she's being. What's the name of her book? Uh, I'm going to tell you in one second, because okay. it's a great title for a book. There's no question about it. So Andy's talking to her right now. 
I don't know. He's I, prepping her. You think Andy's prepping her? Yeah, Here's so. what you need to Oh, Jude's now gotten involved. He's peeking out the window to see what's happening. So, you know. <laughs> I see Jude, yeah. He's wagging the tail. Judy. Judy's wagging his tail. He's very, very happy to see someone. But uh, you That's know, a happy wag, in. right? Oh, that's a happy wag. Jude is not a very vicious dog, i got to be honest with you. He's yeah. not, not exactly your vicious type of dog. Right, it's not, not the stereotypical guard dog. Gonna, I thought no. he was a pit bull, but apparently not. <laughs> he does like to bark. I will tell you that. He doesn't growl or do any of that stuff too, mm-hmm. very often. He does once in a while, but he does like to bark. There's no question about that. Okay, they're coming in now. Here, Here comes Andy. Did you bring a copy of your book with you, sister? Well, okay, we'll come and sit down. She's already causing problems. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to meet Mike Gelfan on the air. On the show. He brings her own water, the whole deal. That's pretty good. We've got headphones for her. They're right there, your headphones. Oh, here. Sorry. Right there. Indeed. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our special guest. Now, I, I won't say because I, I've known your husband and I are pretty good friends, and I met you through your husband. But do you use a a, a different name to write books? 
Only that particular book because of its subject matter. Did you sit a little closer to the mic? You can um, pull your whole chair up, actually, as a matter of fact. It'd be more comfortable. Just that particular book because of the subject matter, but as I was telling Andrew, I've come out of the closet, so everybody knows about it now, so I don't really care. Okay, well, no, <laughs> but you don't want to use your real name. No, she said she's Yeah, fine. sure, I don't care. Okay. Her Unless name. they find me on America's Most Wanted, then. No, well, that's a whole, a whole separate deal. <laughs> okay, you see the guy on the, on the lower right here, Mike Gelfan. He is the, the resident genius on the show. Yeah, right. So what I thought I would do is just turn, turn it over to the YouTube because he is going to ask some pretty tough questions. The name of your book is? If My Hoo-Ha Could Talk. <laughs> See, I told you Gelfan would react. If my hoo-ha now, is, could is talk. hoo-ha, is that like a southern term? Uh, it actually, because um, my, when my children were small, rather than, you know, say something vulgar or whatever, we just referred to it as a hoo-ha. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that use that term. I'm not yeah. the only one. Okay. No, that is very Well, true. it's a good term because even though I've never heard it before, within the context of the title, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> See, that's a, I knew you guys would would just hit it. That off is a loaded remark that I'm not going to. Touch. Oh well, sure now. Now you get now true. you get feisty. Uh, yeah, but it's it's an interesting situation because as soon as Catherine Catherine, you use a, you still use the name Lisa. Yes. Okay. Catherine and Lisa have become good friends, and Lisa's husband Dick and I are good friends. So all of a sudden, Catherine said. You should have Lisa on the show. You guys talk, or did you talk to her, or she talked to you? How did that go? Yeah, well, it was a mutual thing at dinner, and then you got the book and read it. Yes. I don't even know if Catherine's read it. I don't know if she has or not. I, I assume she probably has, but if if my hoo-ha could talk, what? okay, I'm going to toss this over to you, Mike, so you can ask all the questions. Well, the, the obvious question is, if your hoo-ha could talk, what would it say? Well... I guess <laughs> too many things for this show. Um, oh, no. no the fine. main reason that I, I honestly and truthfully wrote the book was because uh, I'm a huge gym rat. And I had a lot of male friends that were strictly platonic. Mm-hmm. And they were always asking for sexual advice. And um, I just realized, hey, these guys don't really know what they're doing. It's a ballpark that they're not familiar with. And let's face it, guys, um, I don't want to get crude or vulgar, but there's a lot going on. And nobody, <laughs> nobody educates you for it. It's not like your dad or your mom pulled you aside and said, you know, let me give you the uh, all the ins and outs on no. how to satisfy anybody. No, that did not so, happen. <laughs> You're right. So the more that these people would ask me questions, I started thinking, hmm. So I had a particular friend. He was actually my weightlifting partner. He had an amazing body. I couldn't even remember his name now, but uh, he had a young lady. <laughs> we were never intimate. So this is why he could let his guard down. And he had a young lady coming over. He had been ditched um, by his fiance, and he was devastated. And so he started dating again, and I could just tell that he wasn't comfortable in that whole getting back into the on the saddle, shall we say. Mm. So he called me and said this particular lady was coming over, and I said, have you guys not been intimate? And he said, no. He said, Lisa, I, I, I'm nervous. I said, dude, get pencil and paper. I'm going to talk you through this evening. <laughs> <laughs> who's, that, who's that in bed with us? Oh, it's just a coaching meeting. <laughs> so he took copious notes, mm. 
And he called me back about four or five days later and said it was the most amazing sex he had ever had. All his inhibitions were gone. And he said, Lisa, please write a book or make a video. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to make a video. Um, But I started dabbling and just putting some thoughts down on what it is that that women really like. And this is nothing against the male gender. Um, I would love it if a man stepped up and wrote a book to maybe set the lady straight. Yeah, but you know what the only problem there is? (laughs) If the book was called If My Dick Could Talk, you'd be talking about your husband. (laughs) Yes, and we don't want advice from him. No, we don't need advice from him. He's my buddy. He can't no advice. Yeah, so hoo-ha would be good for What would be good for a man? Schwanstecker. Schwanstecker. That's exactly what I options. (laughs) Too many options on this show. Yeah, no question. So anyway, that's how the ball got started. I did that again. Um, for a couple of more male friends that I had that it was strictly platonic. And then I really realized that um, this is just not a subject matter that anybody wants to talk about. It gets just swept under the rug because Mm -hmm. it's the one thing that you don't want any tips on but it's the one thing you need tips on. Oh yeah, I think think, uh, you know, women say this all the time and I'm sure men in their own context do but you know they'll always say, "Well, no one's ever complained," and um, my response is, "Oh yes, they have." <laughs> Just not. To oh you. yeah. And you—that's an interesting thing that you say because, you know, I'm a woman. Um, so when we gals get together, and let's say we've gone out with whomever, we're going to discuss everything from size to how he kissed, whatever, and what he did great, what he didn't do so great. I don't know if you men do. I'm going to assume that you don't say, I, you know, I dropped the ball. I don't even think she had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. I had a male friend one time that literally told me he had no idea if his sexual partners were having orgasms. And I thought, well, he's a hot rock, isn't he? <laughs> well, that's why I always said, you know, uh, if you have a choice... Always date an actress because they can really fake it well. True. Uh, True. I have experience in that one. And the thing is, is that you never, the, the partner never knows. Right. You know, Sleepless in Seattle. She faked it so well. <laughs> That's yeah. what that was very poignant. But it wasn't to offend anybody. Uh, it was mostly just to um, give some input into how a woman feels and what a woman responds to. At the end of the book, I wrote erotic fantasies. I had a blast writing those. (laughs) And um, they went back to what it is that that women really like. Intimacy is a very um, subjective subject. Everybody wants something different. But intimacy is intimacy. And how somebody feels, you don't know unless you ask. And how often is anyone asking you what you really want? Yeah. Especially when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the intimacy thing is is big because I mean, it took me years to learn that when you're having sex, you actually have to touch someone. <laughs> <laughs> He's not kidding, by the way. He's not kidding. I, I want to know what kind of sex you're having. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a lonely subject. <laughs> I think you should write a book. You should. Another well, one. I am, but just not about hoo-hahs. <laughs> 
Is it about Schwanzes? No, no. Not Schwanzes either? What was, what was the phrase that Lenny Bruce used to use? I think it was Schleifedicke. A Schleifedicke. Oh, I like yeah. that. I think I he think just made it up. I don't think they're real. But, you know, the fact of the matter is in Yiddish there's like – it tells you what's important to, to my people because in Yiddish there's like about 500 words for sex or for penis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like it's like the Eskimos we always heard had 200 words for snow, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, but my people have 200 words for penis. Nice Jewish boys. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you know, they're, they're swimming in the dark. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, possibly. No question. I make up slang so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> True. Oh, yeah. So I have a question for everybody here. And it, by coincidence... And maybe it's because Catherine told me you were going to come on the show today. But we were out at dinner last night. I was asking her, you know, we were talking about this person, that person, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I have a question for you. Why do people, men and women, cheat on their spouses? Because if you're not doing something right, wouldn't your mate tell you, you know, I really wish you did it kind of this way or whatever, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. If you're not satisfied with the person you're with, why do you stay with the person you're with? I don't get it. Well, that's more than one question that you've yeah, asked. Yeah, it is. And we'd it have is. to be psychologists. Most people that cheat don't always cheat because the sex isn't good. They go because emotionally something else is needed. Okay. The main reason that I think that people don't come forward, and this is for both genders, men and women, Um, that how do you politely tell someone that thing that you do that you think is so great? I absolutely hate. And it feels (laughs) like aliens on my body. There's no diplomatic way to tell someone that they're a terrible kisser, that they have bad breath. And we've all been in that. How many of us sitting here have that friend whose breath is disgusting and you put up with it because you don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. But when you're married to someone or you're in a long-term relationship and you're not getting on an intimate basis what you need, why stay? Yeah. Why not sit down and open a dialogue? And several of my friends that read my books said just that. Hmm. Said you opened up a dialogue that no one wants to talk about. And I said, you're right, because it's taboo. What do you mean I don't know what I'm doing? You don't know what you're doing. It's in my book that a young man, 25 years old, thought that the female clitoris was up inside the vagina. (laughs) Now, I don't mean to offend anyone, but this man's 25 years old and had no idea mm-hmm. where the clitoris is. Well, if you don't know where that is, how many women do you think he was satisfying? Right. Yeah. I'm going to go with none. <laughs> Going well, with none. It's, it's just like our view of, of the world itself, you know, which is in, in, in the, the incentive people have and what they're aiming for. But what I've always said is, when in doubt, aim higher. <laughs> That's what's good advice anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just all-around advice. I mean, look, I was 30 before I realized that foreplay did not mean shaking hands. So, you know, I, I was a slow learner, I admit it. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you. 
Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. I told you two would get along. Have I just you, knew it. Mike, have you read my book? <laughs> well, no, but I, I'm certainly going to. I think you need to, and then after you read it, I want you to call me and tell me which one of those fantasies so resonated with you. Yeah, well, it's a it's a little late now, but uh, for me to... It's never too late to find really? intimacy and passion. Never. Well, I, I love that. That's true, you know, I, and I, I always... Uh, I always said when 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 my dad was in assisted living, um, I, this is when when I when I started telling people that um, there were you know there were, there were there's a lot of sex going on in assisted living you know it's all really it's, it, well yeah yeah more than you might think um, <laughs> and well because you might think none but but I always said that the uh, and I've I've used this line before but uh, I always said that for me I, I could find the perfect woman there. Because she would be a narcoleptic with with the restless leg syndrome. <laughs> restless leg, even though, huh? Yeah, oh, you know, I mean, hey, why restless not? leg might work. Hey, might. look, look for a lot of guys. Uh, a lot of guys, it's just exciting if if their partner moves. You know. True. Yeah, definitely. And but I'm sure it's true the other way big... around, obviously. But you say something very interesting in regards to yourself. That it's too late. I don't know if it is or not. But you can't associate that intimacy is just by an erect penis or mm. a woman that is you know, sexually active and stuff. Intimacy doesn't have to be about penetration. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. sexually satisfy someone's emotional needs by just being loving, caring, compassionate, touching, kissing. Every one of us that are sitting here, do you remember what it was like to sit in a car and just have a make-out session? There was no sex going on. Yeah, you were true. just making out. Do you remember mm-hmm. how great that felt? Andrew, you don't qualify. You probably didn't because <laughs> you're so young. <laughs> so, yeah, the lack of hair is a real giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's but how you honestly, lost your hair. But you as we <laughs> age. The woman took it. <laughs> and as we age, and that was one of the things that some of the people that read my book that really enjoyed it. As we age, our sexual desires and needs change because we're not the same person. You may have erectile dysfunction. You may have vaginal dryness. You may be going through menopause. And so you have no desire to have sex. But who doesn't have desire to just be held, to just be touched, to just be caressed, to just be told that they smell good? It doesn't have to be about bad. Bam, bam, how hard can I hit this? Let's get back to what we started with when we were all virgins. And that was the simplicity of just getting to know each other and a wonderful kiss. That's what got everything going. You weren't having sex. I don't know, Mike, You maybe you were. I don't know how old you were when you were no longer a virgin. <laughs> I think that was a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
You no, know, but I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I mean, just just the the vibrance of of, of actually touching someone. You know, that's mm-hmm. where it all starts, just touching someone. And usually Absolutely. that's where it ends, too, I found out. <laughs> the doors start closing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the deal is. Well, Catherine, I, love I, this guy. I, love this guy. I knew you two would get along really well. I absolutely knew that. But Tevin, by coincidence this morning, mm-hmm. Tevin and I were talking on the morning show about Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, and yes. Tevin uh, told us that he, uh, Wilt Chamberlain claimed to have had sex with 20,000 different women in his lifetime. Mm-hmm, where, do you, where do you find the time? And then Tevin pointed that very thing out. Tevin, what would, was he? He would have sex and play basketball. That's the only thing. Yes, he had yes. Like the two things in your life. And the, and the sex had to be fairly quick. Yes. Tevin, did you ever have anybody uh, reach out to you and, with an act, an accurate uh, count on that? Twenty thousand. I'm sorry, it's not possible. It's not. No, it's yeah. And he even says it's not. He, that's not true. Um, but. There, somebody at one point had broken it down where it was like it was an average of 23 women a day for some from the time he was like 18 to 70 or something like that. Like, yeah, well, but how at- many of those women were of 20,000 women? How many of them was he satisfied? Mm, right. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's more about the volume, that's, <laughs> yeah, and I think, quantity over quality. And since he was, he was what seven foot one, correct? Yep. And so the women were probably. Are we like, talking about his height? Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> Where's the drum beat? Uh, and and, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you know the women were probably five foot four. So basically, just getting into True. position would take a half hour. Yeah, how do you get into position? And you're seven one, and she's five four. How the hell do you line that up with the crotch? I guess. Well, that or a trapeze. Yeah, I suppose so. The crotchal area would would be your guide. That would be your compass, I would imagine. I don't know. I just think, like I said, it's it's. First of all, like I said, I knew that you two would get along very, very well because you're both a couple smart asses. So that works out. Hey, I take offense to. I, I take <laughs> offense to that. So now, where can people get your book? My book is on Amazon. It's if my hoo ha could talk. Hoo ha is H O O, dash H A H. It's a very small book. Uh, I think it's 103 pages. I deliberately. Made it small, no pun intended, because I went to Barnes & Noble and started doing my research and found books that were self-help for men, what have you, sexually, with three or four hundred pages. And I have a husband, and I thought, there's no way any man's going to read for 300 freaking pages. Mm -hmm. You don't even (laughs) read the instructions on how to put a lawnmower together. You sure as hell ain't going to read 300 pages on how to get your jiggy on. So I made the <laughs> so I made the okay. simple. Not every page resonates with what you may need because I talk about kissing, I talk about bad breath, I talk about size. People say size doesn't matter. Well, it does matter if you're female, if your partner, mm-hmm. hopefully it's female, it could be male. I don't know. I don't care. However you swing, I, I could care less. That might be something that matters to them. So you need to learn what your partner wants. And that's why my book is short and sweet. And the fantasies are extremely erotic if you just follow one of them or the introduction, which just guides you. You're going to have a better sexual experience. See, that's nice to hear. I will tell you this, and it wasn't by plan or anything like that. 
Catherine and I now have been together for 43 years, which I couldn't believe. That just popped into my head about a week ago. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> but every night when we go to bed, because, you know, I got, for 37 years, I got up at 3.30, so we didn't sleep together for during, you know, weeknights. But every night to this, like, including last night, we hugged and kissed and said goodnight to one another. That's, That's a beautiful. huge part for us. But let's, listen to how intimate that sounds. There was no oh, sex it's, it's involved. One, no. Wonderful. But Tom, you read my book. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I like, that's why we're having you on, because I like, you're very direct about things. It's not like you're over-the-top pornographic. That's not what I mean at all. Mm-hmm. You're very honest about things. And the fact that you did, that having intercourse or hugging and kissing goodnight, it's all very sexual and very pleasing, but in different ways. Sure. You know, and you go at it, you, you go at that very well, all the different angles uh, that you can come at a, a sex life. Mm-hmm. Did you do that on purpose as well? Because it is very necessary. I inherently am, am a very passionate person. So I wrote the book with what always resonated and felt good to me. And in talking, I have a multitude of friends and I've been very fortunate. I have traveled all over the world. And it seemed like the same, it wasn't a complaint. It was more the same thing that all women had to say was, this dude ain't got a clue what I need. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, you've never heard that, have you? Uh, Not directly. (laughs) In a text. I, 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 you know, basically I just find out when I'm online. (laughs) Yeah, true. That's very, very true. And, and, you know, uh, when I'm trying to score a Tinder date and... You know, and then like, okay, I've set up a Tinder date. This is obviously just a fantasy. Um, yeah, so I set up the Tinder date, and then and then they always like cancel before I get to meet them, which I blame on Google. Absolutely, I have that damn Google. Yeah, it's destroying just, your sex it's life. It's cost me a lot of partners. <laughs> but but no, you know, I I have found out throughout the years that that. The way people communicate about sex, I mean, it's generally speaking, it's not direct. You know, it's just yeah. like like yep. you you are left to figure out what's working and what isn't. And a lot of a lot of men and women too, I'm sure. Well, I, I don't know about women. You know, a lot of them really don't care. You know something? You're absolutely right. And I have a few girlfriends that it's like making love to a mannequin. Um, they don't get it where that comes from we're not here to judge or whatever but again i go back to what i said when we started what actually prepares or educates any of us yeah for i mean it's not like your dad pulled you aside and said oh, come no. in here son i want to no. give you the ins and outs of cunnilingus no oh no <laughs> no she got to it that never she got to it discussion. mike no Mm-mm. no <laughs> yeah. i do remember when i was uh when i was uh I guess I was, what, 13. And uh, my brother and my dad and I were, uh, we were actually uh, in Indianapolis because my brother wanted to go to the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, and my dad thought that if, if, he took, if he took my brother, Tony, to see the Indy 500, maybe my brother would stop using heroin, and, um, which is true. And, and it didn't happen. It didn't work. But I do remember... The thing I remember most about this, I don't remember much about the, the actual event, except that somebody got killed very early on. 
and then I had a migraines. But um, but the other thing, <laughs> the other thing I actually remember, and I, I obviously remember because I'm talking about this day. We walked by a vending machine, in in the, in the wing of the motel, and there was a penthouse magazine for sale. You know, within that machine, and I I looked at that, and my dad saw me looking at it, and he said, something like, oh, you know, that's for sick people. Oh. So and that was like you know my 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 when I was reading my my uncle's Playboy magazines one day and then again I was probably about thirteen and uh, my mother came down into the basement where the magazines were and she saw me leafing through the, the my uncle's Playboy magazines she didn't say a word but when we got home my mother said the reason that your uncle um, has all those magazines is that he's what we call a sex fiend. <laughs> So, like, that was my, that was, there was no discussion, you know, no discussion about how these things happen or anything. That was what I was told about sex. So the the first thing I knew, what I learned from all that was that my parents were really messed up. A lot of ours were, though, Mike, because I did learn just a short time ago. So, I mean, I'm 72 years old, so learning something like this at 72, I did not know this. But there were seven kids in my family, five boys and two girls, mm. my mother and father. My father was gone by the time I was about seven years old. But I did not know this. My One of the older siblings told me that my father never saw my mother naked, that she would go in the bedroom first, mm. disrobe, turn out all the lights, get under the covers, and then he could come in so oh. they could have sex. Yeah, that's mm. that's. I, I don't think that's normal, do you? No, I don't think it's very Catholic, though. Is it? Yeah, but if you stop, but if you stop and think about it, years and years ago, we're talking hundreds, thousands of years ago, yeah. missionary style, and the woman was just to lay there because she was just supposed to copulate to give you children. Yeah, that's yeah. why right. you know slave owners had sex with their slaves and what have you because it wasn't expected for the woman to enjoy sex. We were right. told that mm. was taboo. Yeah. Why that? I mean, was it everything for women? I mean, it started there, I know, but there were a lot of things that were taboo for women when I was a little boy, and I just never understood why that was. A lot of that comes from just religious beliefs, yeah, things that have I come suppose. through over the decades. And, you know, but Mike makes a very interesting remark because I had a girlfriend that had dated this guy for quite some time, and he wouldn't have sex with her because his parents had put such a stigma in his mind mm, that if he yeah. had sex, yeah. I guess he thought he was going to burst into flame. <laughs> only if it's done right. I, yeah, only if you do sex right. But I have right. to ask, Mike, did you become a sex fiend with all those Playboy magazines? Um, no, I, I think uh, it was later that I became a sex fiend. So, <laughs> um, no, it, it, Thank God for your uncle. But it, but it is, it is a, it's a motivating factor when your parents say things like that. That's for sure. Like, you know, I was old enough that I knew that was that they were just you know full of it, but at the same time I, I don't know I, I guess I felt mostly I felt bad for them. But how long did it take you from that time that your parents dropped that load on you mm -hmm. that you realized that that was not a realistic thing? Oh, I know I knew it instantly. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. You uh, were a sharp thirteen-year-old. Well, there's a lot, mostly, most of the stuff I didn't know, but I, I knew that. And the question really was more like, okay, did it motivate me? I don't think it did. I think I, think I probably, you know, took the steps that most people take, you know, 
as you know, learning about sex and then having sex and then still not learning about sex, the three, the three main <laughs> steps. So I don't think I was any different in that respect. But it, but it did change. It did. It changed my view of my parents. You know that that it seemed to me like they were kind of, I don't know, just robotic. You know. I mean, but you know, p- most people say, well, you can't imagine your parents having sex. And um, yeah. that was certainly uh, certainly the truth for me, yeah. But, you know, we all evolve at different stages, but your hormones kick in. You go yep. one day from, you know, playing tic-tac-toe and stuff, and the next day you can't find enough Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> but the point I'm making is you now have all these hormones that are surging, mm. and you have no idea what to do about them. Yeah. And sadly, it's not like you can go to your dad or your mom because they're going to think, oh, my God, this guy's a pervert. Right. That's another reason why I wrote the book. None of us are educated in this genre, and it's sad because it's such a beautiful act. Yeah. And it's such an intimate act. And when you stop and think about it, it's something that you give to somebody else. I mean, it's a, an it's amazing gift. And treated properly, it can last for decades with somebody or multiple lovers, however you want to swing. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. But it's something that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. So read my book, get educated, and go have an amazing sex life. And where do they get your book again? Amazon. If my hoo-ha could talk, and you're going to love the book, on the front is a beautiful velvet red rose. That's not what it looks like. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Mike, thanks leaving. He's going home. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Alice, for coming in. Um, Mike, I knew the two of you would have a great conversation. I just, I, it was, I said, oh, God, Gelfin and Lisa together. Oh, yeah. Very educational. No question about it. Mike, uh, promise me that after you read my book, um, Tom will give you my phone number. Promise me you will call me. I want okay. to hear, even if you hate it. I don't care. I don't, I don't have thin skin. I don't care if you absolutely hate it. She does it. not. That is true. She does not have thin skin. No. It, putting up with our stuff. I know. And if you tell me you don't like it, I want to know why you didn't like it. But after you've read it, I really would love to hear your input. Yeah. Great. Uh, sure. I'd love to. Well, you can come back it. on, too. Oh, I, I would absolutely love that. And it's such a pleasure to be with you gents today. Thank you for having me. Um, in parting, I have to tell you, a couple of years ago, I was in Tanzania. I went to um, follow the migration. And there were like 10 of us sitting around the fire. Only one man, my guide. And my book came up. And I paused the subject because of Lucian was sitting there. And he said, no, 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 Lisa, please. This is fascinating. And you would not have believed how those women opened up to me, asking me questions that they had never asked another soul because I had opened up a subject that no one wants to talk about. And it was a fascinating conversation. It went on for over an hour. And these were people from all over the world, different religious beliefs. But they let their guard down because they knew that there was no judgment. And isn't that what it basically yep. comes down to? Yep. When you can't tell that person you're not doing something, none of us want to be judged. I love yeah. it. That is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, the book is? If My Hoo-Ha Could Talk on Amazon. There you have it. Devin, Mike, Bandy, did you learn anything today? Because I did. Oh, yeah. Very educational show today. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll probably read this book tonight. 
I, you were, I knew you were the man, though, Mike. Same-day delivery. Same-day <laughs> delivery, exactly. <laughs> that's what she right, said. That's, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Guy. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.